You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, this week as I was preparing for the message, uh, I read a story about a, a man who actually needed, had a pair of shoes that he needed to have repaired. And so he put the shoes in his car one morning before he was leaving for work. He thought, I'll go uh, at the end of my work day. He worked a little bit later that day than he had planned. But he knew that his schedule for the rest of the week was pretty packed. So he said, I'm going to try to make it to the shoe shop uh, before they close. I'm not sure if I will, but I'm going to at least try. So he gets in his car. He leaves work. He drives up into the parking lot of the shoe repair shop exactly at 5 o'clock. And he looks around in the parking lot and there are no cars. He goes, man, I missed it. But he knew that his schedule was not going to allow him to be able to go back for the rest of the week. So he said, I'm just going to take a chance and see if maybe somebody's there. So he gets out of his car. He walks up to the door. And sure enough, when he looks in, uh, the owner of the shoe repair shop is there. So he goes in and he said, I'm so glad you're here. I thought I had missed you. And the owner of the shop said, well, uh, you just caught me. He said, I was just getting ready to go home. Now, the man who needed his shoes repaired thought back and he said, thought, I, I didn't see any cars in the parking lot. So he said, well, how are you going to get home? There were no cars in the parking lot. And the man, the owner of the shop, uh, pointed to a place in the corner. He said, you see those stairs over there? And the uh, man who needed the shoe repair said, yes. He said, well, I live up there. I just work down here. When I read that, I thought, what a beautiful illustration of our lives as Christ followers. We live up there. We just work down here. That is our home. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says that our citizenship is in heaven. So we live up there. That's our home. We just work down here. And it's so important that you and I understand this important spiritual truth because it is fundamental to every single thing that you and I do while we're here on earth. As we get caught up in the demands and the responsibilities and even the joys of life, it becomes very easy to forget where our home is. As we get caught up in daily life, we can become confused and begin to believe that we live in the same place that we work. And it's necessary, it's vital to our spiritual growth to recognize that simply isn't true. We take our instruction for this life from a different realm, a different kingdom who has its own king. And of course, that kingdom is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven where Jesus Christ rules as king. Now, we are so far removed from the time and the place where scripture was written that terminology like the kingdom of heaven, kingdom terminology, uh, can sometimes be challenging to, to understand because we don't, we don't use kingdom terminology. I don't say at the end of my ministry day, work day, I'm going home to my kingdom now. I say, I'm going home. And Cammie probably wouldn't like it if I said I'm going home to my kingdom. Think about that. So we don't use kingdom terminology, but it's important that we push in and we try to understand, we work to understand this kingdom terminology because throughout the gospels, kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is a predominant teaching of Jesus. 
Uh, we find it all throughout the Gospels. And when we look to Matthew, where we've been focusing for the past two weekends and again today, we see where Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven no less than 30 times. It was a primary focus of his teaching, particularly in the parables. And this is important for us to understand because not only does the scripture teach us about the kingdom of heaven, but the scripture also teaches us that there are other kingdoms that a person could give their allegiance to. In fact, there are three kingdoms that we could give our allegiance to. There's the kingdom of this world, there's the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of this world, they have a ruler and his name is Satan. He's been given rulership to reign over those kingdoms for a period of time. That's why when Jesus was in the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil, the devil could say, I'll give you all the kingdoms of this world because they were his for a time. That was his place of domain. That was his rulership. But then, of course, that third kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And again, this is the kingdom where you and I, as believers, as Christ followers, if we have a relationship with Jesus... This is the place where we find our citizenship. This is the place where we live. Um, a kingdom always has three fundamental components. A kingdom always has a ruler. A kingdom always has subjects within that rule. And a, a kingdom always has a standard for living within that kingdom. Um, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven... We need to understand really what we're dealing with. What does it mean to live in, to live out as citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Listen to this. The kingdom of heaven for us as Christ followers is the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of life. Let me say that again. It's the visible demonstration of the comprehensive rule of God in every area of life. So as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, it means that as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom, God's kingdom, the standards of that kingdom must influence and impact everything we do. That's why the kingdom is fundamental to everything we do here on the earth. As kingdom citizens, when we function according to kingdom standard, according to kingdom rule, we find kingdom order in our lives. We find kingdom authority in our lives. We find kingdom provision in our lives. But if we decide to function outside the standards of the kingdom, then the opposite is true. We don't have kingdom order. We don't have kingdom authority. We don't have kingdom provision. And what we find, instead, our life is out of order and it's chaotic. The kingdom standards have a purpose. They supply for us. They provide for us the way to experience the best life possible. And that's the fullness of Jesus Christ. Um, because understanding the kingdom is necessary... Uh, fundamental to everything we do in life it would be it's right that why we would talk about it you might be thinking I thought this was a series on parables but you're you're talking about the kingdom instead of I'm going to talk about a parable today we're going to talk about a parable but think about this how many of Jesus parables start with the kingdom of heaven is like 
the kingdom of heaven is like. So my thought as, as I was preparing that it would be good and that it would be right to just take some time to make sure we have some basic kingdom understanding so that we can experience the greatest amount of spiritual growth. So I've done that. And so now we're going to look to a parable, a parable in Matthew chapter 13. And this parable is the parable of the sower and the seed. Uh, what we find when we look at the chapter is that the actual parable is in the first nine verses of chapter 13. And then when you drop down to verses 18 through 23, we find where Jesus explains the meaning of the parable. Uh, in one of the other gospel accounts of the parable, we find some insight into the parable that Matthew doesn't give us. Mark, in his account of the par parable, reveals Jesus explaining that the understanding of this parable is fundamental in understanding all the other parables. This is the first parable that Jesus tells and what happens in both Matthew and Mark is that the disciples go to Jesus after they've heard um, him tell this parable. And they, the question basically is, Jesus, why are you talking like this? Why are you talking in riddles? Why are you talking in, in, in parables? They were questioning him. And it would appear by his response uh, that, that he believes that he understands that uh, this parable has foundational truths in it. And if they're unable to understand this, then they're not going to understand any of the other kingdom truths. In fact, his response is, uh, when they come to him and they ask, uh, he says, how is it, if you don't understand this parable, how will you understand any of the other parables? Apparently, or I, I think obviously, Jesus thought this is clear. This is obvious. So this first parable, we have to understand that it contains foundational truths about the kingdom, about salvation, and about the gospel. And if they weren't able to understand this, they weren't going to get the rest, as Jesus told about the kingdom through parables. And the same is true for us. If we can't understand the basics about the kingdom, if we can't understand, if we can't grasp, if we can't own uh, the, the basics of the gospel and salvation, then we're going to have a hard time understanding the deeper truths of the kingdom. And if we can't understand them, it's going to be much harder to live them out. So we have to dig in. We have to do the work. I want you to listen as I read the parable uh, beginning in chapter 13, verse 1. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he, scattered, as, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered away because they had no root. Other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So what's the significance of this parable? What do we have going on in this parable? Well, there are three uh, elements. There are, there are three aspects of this parable. First, we have a sower. And then we have seed. And then we have um, uh, sower. We have a seed. We have soil. 
Those are the elements. And obviously, each one of these aspects, each one of these elements has a spiritual parallel. So let's talk about those. First, let's talk about the sower. The sower uh, in this parable is God. And Jesus is declaring that the sower has a plan. And the plan of the sower is to see the seed that he plants to take root and to grow. So this is a parable about growth. This is a parable about spiritual growth. Healthy things grow. And God's plan for us as Christ followers is that the seed would take root and we would experience spiritual growth. That we would grow, that we would be transformed. And in that growth, we would become spiritually healthy and emotionally healthy Christ followers. That's his plan for us. And then he goes on and he talks about the seed. Uh, the spiritual parallel of the seed. The seed in the parable is the word of God and the seed has a purpose. When the seed is properly received by and planted in the soil, then it can take root and grow. And God's plan for us as Christ followers is that we would allow the seed of the word to take root and grow so that we can bear fruit. In fact, Jesus has appointed us, he's commissioned us to be fruit bearers. Listen to John chapter 15, verse 16. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So Jesus has appointed, he has commissioned us, part of the purpose, part of the plan, is that as Christ followers, we would bear fruit, and it's fruit that lasts. What is fruit that lasts? What does that look like? Well, I think we get a good picture of it when we look to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when the seed is able to take root so that we can produce fruit, this is what the fruit, this is what the fruit looks like. And this is lasting fruit. This kind of fruit only comes through growth and through transformation. And then finally, he talks about the soil. And the soil represents the heart of those who hear the word and their potential for spiritual growth. Whether or not you and I work with God in his plan for us to grow and the purpose of the seed to take root so we can bear fruit, ultimately, that's a heart condition. That's a heart matter. It's all about the heart. When the heart is broken up, when the heart is cultivated, then the seed of the word can take root. And when this happens, again, when it happens, when it takes root, we begin to grow. We continue to grow. We experience growth. Growth is where things, are, spiritual things are added to us. Then we experience transformation. And spiritual transformation is when things are stripped from us. Think about that. So we grow and we're transformed because the soil is cultivated. It's broken up so that the seed can grow. 
Jesus goes on and he explains the meaning of this parable because the disciples ask him, Jesus, what does this parable mean? Um, and in doing so, he really talks about the significance of the soil. Uh, we're going to look at that, but it's important that we understand that as Jesus is talking about the significance of the soil, he's not talking about four different kinds of soil. He's talking about one soil and four conditions that that soil can have. And of course, the parallel is to our heart and the conditions that our heart can have. So listen as I read verses uh, 18 through 23. You can follow along. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once, receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So first, Jesus talks about the seed that fell on the path. Uh, the fields in Galilee would have been primarily unfenced. And as a result, there would have been many pathways through uh, those fields. Because of foot traffic, animal hooves, cartwheels continuously going over those paths, the soil of the path would have become compounded. It really would have become rock hard like pavement. And so seed that would fall on it couldn't penetrate. So it, 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 couldn't, it, it, couldn't, it couldn't take root. It would be easily taken away. In the parable... The soil on the path represents the closed heart or a heart that has become hardened, so hardened that it has no interest in hearing the word, receiving the word, um, trying to understand what the word means, much less trying to apply the principles of the word to the heart. It's because the heart has become hardened. And because the heart has become closed or hardened, it makes it very easy for the enemy. We all have an enemy. His name is Satan. It makes it easy for the enemy in a variety of ways to come and snatch the seed of the word that's been planted so that it won't grow. And then Jesus goes on and he talks about the rocky soil. And the rocky soil that he speaks of represents the confused heart. Much of the land where Jesus told these stories from was a foundation of rock and it would have a couple of inches of topsoil on it. So if seed fell on that ground, it would begin to take root and grow. But after a while, what would happen is the root would begin to hit the rock and the growth was stunted. It could not grow anymore. And the point that Jesus is making is not only does the soil need to be soft, but the soil needs to be deep. Uh, Jesus describes this person as the one who receives the word with great enthusiasm. But when hardships come, 
when the tough times come, because there's no depth, the seeds hit the, hit the rock and they no longer grow. This is the person who becomes confused. And in their confusion, because of the hardships, they begin to ask questions. Why would a good God let something like this happen to me? And as a result of that confusion, they, they fall away. They, they, don't, they don't stick with it. And then Jesus talks about the thorny soil. And the thorny soil represents the cluttered heart. Thorny soil is both soft and it's deep, but all the nutrients have been stripped away from the soil because of the weeds that are going along with it. The seed is choked out by the competition. The soil in itself isn't bad. It's just unfocused soil. In trying to grow everything, it doesn't actually focus on growing the one thing that could actually produce a harvest, that could produce fruit. Jesus describes this person as the one who allows the worries of life and the worries of money to choke out the seed of the word that's been planted in their hearts. This person is distracted by many things. This person most often is more influenced by the worldly standards, by cultural trends, more so than being influenced, being directed, living out life according to standards of the kingdom, living out godly biblical principles and practices. It's not that there's not growth. It's just that this person tries to grow everything and the consequence is the failure to produce fruit. As I was thinking through these soils, I think that for most of us, this is probably the soil that we have to deal with because of life, because of the demands of life, because of the responsibilities of life, because of the culture that we live in, because of the, the push to do, to be successful, to try to do everything. And so what happens is we find ourselves trying to do everything and to please everybody and the seed of the word gets choked out because we're unfocused. And we're so unfocused that we fail to focus on the one thing, the standards of the kingdom that could cause us to produce lasting fruit. Listen to this. Sustainable spiritual growth requires an undivided heart. Let's say that again. Sustainable spiritual growth requires an undivided heart. Finally, Jesus speaks of the good soil. And the good soil represents the cultivated heart. Um, the cultivated heart is the heart that's open and prepared through participation with God in his work in our lives. In other words, we recognize that God by his spirit is working and we say, yes, I'm going to participate with you. My heart is opened. I want you, Holy Spirit, to cultivate my heart so that I can grow, so that the seed can take root, deep root, so that I can grow. It's interesting, the person with a cultivate cultivated heart, hears the word uh, in, in the same way that the person with a closed heart did. 
and uh, he or she receives the word with excitement in the same way as the person with a confused heart. And this person lives in the same culture as the person with a cluttered heart. But the difference is the person with a cultivated heart, that kind of heart soil, they grow and they bear fruit. So how is this possible? How does it occur? And the answer is simple. It occurs through a death. It occurs through death. John chapter 12, verse 24 says, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone, a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many fruits, many, uh, many seeds. So the answer is that we have to be willing to die to ourselves. Uh, we bear fruit when we're willing to die to ourselves so that the life of Christ can be experienced in every aspect of our lives. In order for spiritual growth to occur, the heart has to be cultivated. The heart has to be broken up. The seed has to be planted, watered, and nurtured so that it can take root and grow. And the weeds have to be removed. Here's the interesting thing. The heart is unable by itself to do any one of those things. Think about it. The heart by itself can't do that. Instead, it's God the sower who plants the seed. And it's God who waters and nurtures, cares for the seed so that it could take root and grow. It's God who removes the weeds. And it's God through a work of the Holy Spirit. And all of this requires our openness to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's God through a work of the Holy Spirit that brings about growth. But again, this requires death. It requires that you and I on a daily basis are willing to die to self. And it's about an ongoing relationship between me and the sower and the seed and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's the only way growth. We're going to add things to our life and transformation. Things are going to fall away. It's through cooperating with God. Dying to self, allowing the work of the Holy Spirit. I think this, this, this parable sets up for such great um, personal reflection and, um, and, and spiritual application. Of course, the word, that's just kind of what the word does. But as I was thinking about this, I, I, I thought this, this opens the pathway for us to ask ourselves some very pointed questions. And so I want you to consider these questions. Which soil condition represents your heart? Is it closed? Is it confused? Is it cluttered? Or is it cultivated? Which is the condition of your heart? Um, and then ask yourself, am I pleased with the condition of my heart? Am I pleased? Then ask yourself, what area of my heart 
needs to be transformed by God. And then finally we ask, what would dying to self look like for me? What do I need to die to? What inside of me, what inside of my heart needs a work of the Holy Spirit that allows that to die and fall away so that there's no hindrance, there's nothing stunting the seed from, of the Word from taking root and growing in me so that I can produce fruit, fruit that lasts. I want you to bow your heads and I, I want us to just consider those questions for a moment and then I want to pray. Father, right now, we just, in your presence, wait and listen for the voice of your spirit to speak to us as we ask ourselves these questions. And we ask that you reveal and that we hear what you, what you say. Father, today, personally, I ask you, I ask myself, and I ask that you reveal by your spirit, what's the condition of my heart? Father God, I ask that you reveal to me those areas of my heart that are unpleasing to you and therefore should be unpleasing to me. Father, would you show me, would you show us the areas of our hearts that need to be transformed by work of the Holy Spirit? What do we need to die to? And God, I ask that you would show us what it means to die to self and recognize that we've been empowered by your Spirit. It's not something that we can accomplish on our own, but through the empowerment of your Holy Spirit, we can see these things fall away so that the seed of the Word can take root and grow deep so that we can grow up strong, spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, emotionally and spiritually strong Christ followers. I ask that you do that work in us today. And with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, um, I want to honor a commitment that I made several weeks ago. Uh, is it possible that you're here today and maybe you've recognized that you have a closed heart? For some reason, you've allowed your heart to be hardened and you've been resistant to um, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. But today you feel something happening inside. I want to tell you what it is. It's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit cultivating the soil of your heart, breaking it up. It's the Holy Spirit working, calling you into relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
Scripture says that if we confess with our mouths and believe with our heart that Jesus Christ died for us in our place so that we could have forgiveness of our sin, and we make confession of our sin and confess Him, that we actually start life all over. We, we become new creations. And if you've never done that, then today is your day. And so here's what I want to ask. I don't want to embarrass you or anything. Everybody's got their eyes closed. If that's you today, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you want to do that today, if you just lift up your hand and let your eyes catch my eyes. Is there anybody here today? You say, that's me. Anybody at all? Father, thank you for the gift of salvation in this place. I thank you that you have appointed us to be fruit bearers. And in fruit bearers, in being fruit bearers, uh, as we leave this place today, we're going to go out and live out the kingdom of heaven. We're going to live out the gospel with our lives. And when necessary, we'll speak the gospel to others who don't know you because we're believing for a great harvest a great harvest of individuals, of souls coming into your kingdom. Father God, we pray that you would send them to us so that we can help grow them up. So we thank you that in the weeks to come, there are going to be individuals who would raise their hand and say, that's me, that's me. Father God, we thank you that you're bringing that to pass. And I thank you for every person here today. I thank you for the work you're doing right now. I thank you for the power of your word. And I pray that each person would know that you are for them and not against them. That you have great things in store. I speak blessings of peace over each individual. Of healing in their bodies. Provision in every area of life that it's needed. And I speak the blessing of joy that can only come from you. Father God, as we go today, we go celebrating who you are. And we glorify you with our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.